Good morning, everybody. It's nice to see you all. Lovely to see you. So, uh, praise God. Yeah, I love, I love worshiping God. So I've, I've, uh, I've titled this message um, the same as I did last week, a heart of worship, but it's the second part to it. And, um, you know, God's desire, as I said last week, is for his church, that's us, to worship him. And in John 4.23, Jesus said, But the hour is coming, and now is, when the true worshippers will worship the Father in spirit and truth, for the Father is seeking such to worship him. He's seeking that. He's seeking our worship. And and so our worship is a lifestyle. And if we love God the way we say we do, then our actions should follow, eh? So, uh, you know, when we love someone, we want to spend time with them, don't we? And uh, and it's the way we choose to live. And it's the same with God. He seeks our worship. And if we love God, we have a desire to spend time with him. And that's a lifestyle of worship. And do you know what? Our worship should be all the time, every day, not just on Sundays. Our Sunday worship together as a church should be an overflow of our worship and communion with God during the week. It should be an overflow. And Psalm 1611 says, You will show me the path of life. In your presence is fullness of joy. So the path of life is in his presence. (laughs) And uh, another thing I, I mentioned last week is that worship is obedient to God. So an act of worship is a physical demonstration of our devotion to God. And, you know, what we did with communion this morning, that's an act of worship, isn't it? It's remembering what our Lord and Saviour Jesus Christ did for us on the cross. He died so that we could be made right with God. And uh, and so it's an act of worship. And same with giving, same with tithes and offerings. That's an act of worship as well. But there's many ways we can worship God. It says in Romans 12.1, and I'm just still recapping, but I think it's a good thing to go over it. In the Amplified Bible, it says, Therefore I urge you, brothers and sisters, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies, dedicating all of yourselves set apart as a living sacrifice, holy and well-pleasing to God, which is your rational, logical, intelligent act of worship. It's an act of worship our lives, living our lives as an act of worship. Holy, well-pleasing to God. So our acts of worship are acts of obedience. So living our life as a living sacrifice is connected to acts of obedience. And and we're also new we're also um new wineskins, or we should be. You know, wineskins made from the skin of an animal have been used for thousands of years to store wine. And new wine is always put into new wineskins. Old wineskins can't hold the new wine because they burst. 
because they can't cope with it because they've become brittle. And so what happens is they burst. The old wineskins are those of us who have inflexible or even religious mindsets. They're believers who prefer to say things to stay as they are. Ever felt in your comfort zone before? I know I have. <laughs> it can be hard to break out of that, eh? <laughs> yeah. Definitely it can be hard to break out of that. But um, we've got to be open to a new or a different, something new, you know, from the Holy Spirit. So the new wineskins are those of us who are open to the Holy Spirit. So what I want to say is that the wine is the Holy Spirit. It's, the, it's the, something fresh from the Holy Spirit, something fresh. And we're the wineskins. We want to be new wineskins, though, new wineskins. You know, we don't want to be hindering the Holy Spirit, do we? We definitely don't. Certainly not in our church. Uh, certainly not. <laughs> we don't want to be hindering him at all. And uh, because we know that um, when the Holy Spirit moves, it's refreshing, isn't it? It's refreshing, it's life, it's good. We get revelation, we get healing even when we're worshipping God and when the Holy Spirit moves, amazing things happen. And so that means, you know, like, so worship can create an environment for healing for us. When Jesus was approached by people in need of all sorts of things, healing, miracles, deliverance, he was always willing to heal them. He was always willing. And there's a few times where, and I'm just going to give you a couple of examples, um, Matthew, 8, 20, uh, sorry, Matthew 8, verses 2 and 3, it says, A leper came and worshipped Jesus, saying, Lord, if you are willing, you can make me clean. Then Jesus put out his hand and touched him, saying, I am willing, be cleansed. And immediately his leprosy left him. It was cleansed. The leper worshipped Jesus, and he was healed. Praise God. <laughs> you know, God, you know, the word worship in the, each of these, I'm going to read a couple of passages here, but the word worship in these passages in the original Greek means to fall down in reverence and adoration to God. To move towards him in faith, you know, like just reaching towards God, knowing he can do it, he can do what you need, knowing that he is the source of life. And it's moving towards him with the intention to kiss. That's what worship is. So in each of these examples, they worshipped and the healing and mir or miracle or deliverance that they were looking for followed afterwards. It's not always our default mechanism, is it, to worship God? Sometimes we, quite, and I, I've done this many times, where I just go and say, God, I really need this. But have I worshipped him? Have I been worshipping him? We just need to remember that God is the source of our life and we, we just need to focus on him. Because with him, he's the path to life. 
The path to life is in his presence, is what Psalm 16.11 says. So in Matthew 9, I'm just going to read. Um, I've got only verse 18 up on the screen, but uh, I'll read I'll read it, a few of the parts of this. So Matthew 9, 18 and 19. While he spoke these things to them, behold, a ruler came and worshipped him. So a ruler came and worshipped him saying, my daughter has just died, but come and lay your hand on her and she will live. How many of you would feel like worshipping God in that situation? So verse 19 says, Jesus arose and followed him and so did his disciples. And then in verse 23 it says, when Jesus came into the ruler's house and saw the flute players and the noisy crowd wailing, because she had died, so they were starting to grieve her, he said to them, make room for the girl is not dead but sleeping, and they laughed him to scorn. But when the crowd was put outside, he went in and took her by the hand, and the girl arose. And the report of this went out into all that land. But how did it start? Verse 18. A ruler came and worshipped him. He came and worshipped him. And if we turn to Matthew 15, there is... Um, I'm just going to highlight verse... 25, but I'll read, I'll read some of it um, prior to that. A woman of Canaan came, so she wasn't a Jewish woman, she came from that region and cried out to Jesus saying, have mercy on me, O Lord, son of David, my daughter is severely demon-possessed. And 23 says, but he answered her not a word. And then in verse 25, it says, Then she came and worshipped him, saying, Lord, help me. That's cool. And it's the same word of worship, which means to fall down in reverence and adoration to God. So she knew that Jesus was the source of life. And so her daughter was healed from that demonic oppression. The people had a need, but their desire was to worship him. So it's in his presence that we find the life giver. The life giver. Worship focuses on the life giver, the source of life. But sickness and disease and pain and grief and trauma, they're all death related. So it would make sense, eh, to focus on the life giver more than anything else. So never neglect worship. It doesn't mean necessarily singing either, by the way. As I said before, an act of worship, we were doing that before with communion. We can do that with giving. There's so many things. We can just be spending time with God alone in his presence and worshipping him. It doesn't have to be together, but when we come together, it should be an amazing celebration, an incredible time of of praise and worship to our God together, 
that should be a powerful time, a really powerful time. So in times of need, never neglect worship. And uh, Tom Mingles once said, worship creates an atmosphere where God is enthroned and circumstances and demonic powers are dethroned. That's cool. So worship creates an atmosphere where God is enthroned because we're focused on him. And circumstances and demonic powers are dethroned. That sounds good to me. Does it sound good to you? (laughs) So whenever you have a need, find out what God's word says about it because we know God is the God of all things good. He is absolutely good. There is no darkness in him at all. 1 Peter 2.24 says, By Jesus' stripes you were healed. And that terrible whipping that Jesus received and the wounds that resulted were for you and I. It was for all of us. Jesus paid that price for our healing 2,000 years ago. So your healing is already a reality in the spirit realm. And it's your faith that brings it into the natural realm. Hebrews 4.12 says, For the word of God is living and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the division of soul and spirit and of joints and marrow, and is, is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. So the, God, the word of God is living and powerful. Jesus is the word. He's living and powerful. He is truth. There is no your truth or my truth. There is only the truth. I just thought I'd add that in there. Um, And, you know, when we speak the word of God in faith, knowing that it is the truth, okay? The word of God is the truth. And so when we speak it out in faith and declare, we're speaking agreement with the great physician. We're speaking agreement with Jesus. And the word of God is even sharper than a two-edged sword, it says. His word highlights and removes what's not of God. Do you know what? It can, it can be, it's so precise that it goes in between the good and the bad and absolutely divides them completely. Doesn't leave any little bits of bad with the good, doesn't leave any little bits of good with the bad, completely divides. It says that it pierces to the division of soul and spirit and of joints and marrow and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. So his word highlights and removes what is not of God with pinpoint accuracy and his words bring health and restoration. And that's what this church is all about. Our church is called Centre Church, but if you don't, if you don't know, our name really is Christian Restoration Centre. It's We're all about restoration and uh, our... our um, We've had prophetic words about that even. You know, we're we're a house of restoration and healing. And we all need that from time to time, don't we? So just remember that God's word is spoken by God and declared by us. We become like the amplifiers, you could say. <laughs> so we, we we speak we speak the word of God, which is the truth, and it becomes reality because we're, we're speaking it out like, like, a, like a speaker would. 
um, we amplify the word of God and speak it out and out and over over our lives, over the people that we know or whatever it is that we're declaring for. So, worshipping God. You know, when we worship together, as I said before, it should be an overflow from um, our daily individual worship. It really should be. And uh, we need to remember that when we worship together as a church family, everyone in this room impacts the atmosphere. Even the people down in the back rows, we all impact the atmosphere. And that's why we we need to come with our supply. I mean, if we're just visiting, that's a different thing. But if we're regular churchgoers and or, and we love God, even if we are visiting, I guess if we even if we if we if we love God, then uh, we can bring our supply because we should be all amped up and ready to go <laughs> by the time we arrive at church on Sunday morning. <laughs> So every, everyone is responsible for bringing their supply, you know. The praise and worship team isn't here to, to, to perform or entertain. It's not there to do that. <laughs> it's there for maintaining the right heart. It, it's, it's our responsibility to maintain the right heart attitude, but the praise and worship team is there to lead us into praise and worship, to lead us together. So when we're worshipping together, we don't sit and talk because that hinders the atmosphere and it's not honouring to God. So in true worship, God is the centre of our attention. The Holy Spirit isn't going to pour himself out where, and I know I said this last week, but it's so true, where there is resistance to change or refusal to be obedient or lack of honour or a passion or a lack of passion for him even. The Holy Spirit isn't going to pour himself out. And I want to see, I want to see um, our church become so open to the Holy Spirit that the Holy Spirit can move freely in our services. But it's our responsibility, not just my responsibility, not just Pastor Peter's responsibility or any of the leadership team or the praise and worship team's responsibility. It's actually everybody's responsibility. The Holy Spirit will pour himself out only where his presence is welcome. And uh, I want to give you a little example from 2 Samuel of uh, someone that worshipped God, and it was King David. He, uh, he expressed himself well in a, in a, in a very clear way. <laughs> But as uh, I think it was James was saying before, it doesn't matter how we worship God, it's all about the heart attitude because God looks at the heart, not about the outward actions. Not, not that. It's, it's about the heart. The actions will follow, but it doesn't mean that worshiping God, you have to raise your hands or anything like that. It's not that at all. Um, some people like to do that. But we're going to have a look at uh, 2 Samuel chapter 6. And... Um, King David worshipped God from a really genuine, pure heart. And so what was happening was that David was bringing the Ark of the Covenant to Jerusalem. And what had happened was he had uh, really 
sort of mistakenly, and I, I don't, maybe over the period of time that had passed, it had been forgotten when the ark was moved. You know, Moses had been given very precise instructions on how the ark should be moved, and it was uh, with poles and several people, I think maybe six people from memory, would be walking it with um, the poles on each shoulder on either side of it. And, uh, but David put it onto a cart um, pulled by oxen. And so the result of that was that when the cart till an oxen tripped, um, the ark sort of tipped as if it was going to fall off the cart and somebody put their hand out to stop it. And the power of God just absolutely it meant that that person died. And David was, oh my gosh, and he was angry with God for a while. But actually, it wasn't actually God's fault for that happening. Um, so David didn't move the ark any further, and he stayed where he was for three months. And it says in verse 13, no, yep, so verse 12, David went and brought up the ark of God um, from the house of Obed-Edom to the city of David with gladness. So after three months, he'd obviously spent a bit of time figuring out what he was meant to do. And in verse 13 it says, So it was when those bearing the ark of the Lord had gone six paces that he sacrificed oxen and fatted sheep. And da then David danced before the Lord with all his might, and David was wearing a little linen ephod. So David and all the house of Israel brought up the ark of the Lord with shouting and with the sound of the trumpet. This is that's like a little example, really, of, of how we can worship God. <laughs> but um, back in those days, this is part of the old covenant, they would sacrifice um, animals, oxen and fatted sheep they did here, but for, for various reasons, including covering of sins, um, and, and also as a worship worshipping God and David was making sure that he really wanted God to know he loved God and wanted to worship him and honour him so every six paces he would stop and sacrifice oxen and fatted sheep that's a lot of um, sacrifices let's, let's imagine that okay like so six paces one two three four five six so stop. And so it worked out that that distance he had to travel was something like, I don't know, maybe I think I've looked it up, but it may have been as much as 14 kilometers. So it worked out that he would have done around about 3,500 sacrifices. That's a lot, isn't it? He was determined to worship God. And it says that David danced before the Lord with all his might. And it says, David and all the house of Israel, so they all came, brought up the ark of the Lord with shouting and with the sound of the trumpet. Musical instruments, praising God. Thank you, God. Praise you, God. <laughs> so... Um, so that's some of the ways we can worship God. We don't need to sacrifice animals now because Jesus' death on the cross dealt with sin. It death dealt with that. Praise God. <laughs> yeah, I don't know how I'd cope with that, but, you know, that's just me. 
So David worshipped God with a pure heart. He didn't care what people thought. He didn't care if people saw him dancing in the street. He did not care about that. He was focused only on God. Now, verse 16 says that um, Michelle, Saul's daughter, so that was, one of, that was his wife, looked through a window and saw him leaping and whirling before the Lord, and she despised him in, his, in her heart. She did not like it. She was embarrassed, probably, and uh, didn't, like, didn't think his actions would be fitting of a king, where they weren't dignified enough. So she was embarrassed. But we don't need to, we should not be worrying about what other people think at all. If we're too concerned about what other people think, it's going to stop us worshipping him fully. So if you want to raise your hands, raise your hands. If you want to dance, dance. If you want to bow down, bow down to him. If you want to tell him how great he is and shout and sing and praise, do it. <laughs> and uh, we are going to have an opportunity to sing a worship song in a moment, just a worship song. Um, which will be what really lovely. <laughs> so um, praise God for that. But before we do that, I think actually now would be a good time to um, take up the tithes and offerings because that's another act of worship as well. And so, you know, when, when we give, let me turn to Malachi 3. It's a place we often go. But it's a great scripture, and that's why I like to turn to it. Because it has promises. Um, and so verse 8 says, Will a man rob God? Yet you have robbed me. But you say, In what way have we robbed you? In tithes and offerings. In verse 9, You're cursed with a curse, for you've robbed me, even this whole nation. Verse 10 says, Bring all the tithes into the storehouse. Now this is explaining why. That there may be food in my house. And prove me now in this, says the Lord of hosts, if I will, now this is the promise to us when we do this as an act of worship and obedience, if I will not open for you the windows of heaven and pour out for you such blessing that there will not be room enough to receive it. That speaks of overflow, doesn't it? Overflow and abundance. And it says, I will rebuke the devourer for your sakes so that he will not destroy the fruit of your ground nor shall the vine fail to bear fruit for you in the field, says the Lord of hosts, and all nations will call you blessed. Praise God. So when you give, you determine in your heart, you talk to God, that's an issue between you and God. Um, but I'm just going to pray over that. Father, we thank you, Lord, for the opportunity to give to you. We thank you, Father God, that... Um, it's another way we can worship you. We love you, God. We thank you. We thank you for your presence. We thank you, Father God, that you um, that this money be used wisely for furthering your kingdom. And we thank you, Father God, that you that every your blessing, Father God, be poured out upon all the givers in Jesus' name. Thank you, Father God. Thank you for it, Lord. In Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, so. Uh, we're gonna we're going to um, have a little bit of time for the band wants to come up whenever you're ready. That would be great. So just as we uh, just as while they're getting ready, I just wanted to say um, you know as we're heading into this week, 
1 Peter 5, 7 says, Cast all your care, all your anxiety, concerns, and worries onto him, for he cares for you. It's unhealthy for us to be anxious and um, concerned. God says in Proverbs 3, 5, Trust in the Lord with all your heart, and he will make your path straight. So try and find time from this day forward to just spend a few minutes at least with him in his presence because that's where you're going to find refreshing, okay? You're going to find joy. You're going to find strength. You're going to find revelation and peace. Jesus is the Prince of Peace. And um, and just worship him and spend some time with him. You'll feel so much better doing that. Um, so we'll sing this song. If, and and we'll, I want you to worship God with your whole heart.